0: You know what? There's a third season of Friends.
1: My favorite season has to be the third
0: one. By by, by the third season, I was completely wasted all the time. I. So before we go on with the third season.
2: I have been a rich man and I have been a poor man, and I choose rich every fucking time. Ah. Green, for lack of a better word, is good. Bang proof today we hear with heavy. It's a Carl Nolte, Easy Equities, Purple Group. Well, well, well. How the turntables? of C a. L Elko, Chief Label Bill Officer, Philanthropist. I am bad! What am I missing, Carl? What am I missing on the introduction
1: here? Yeah, those are a uh, lot already and very generous. Uh, I'm mainly here, I think, uh, to, uh, like you, talk about investment, entrepreneurship journeys. And it's uh, it's really lucky to be with you guys. So thanks for the invite.
0: Loose bird
2: That's what I was missing. <laughs> <laughs> That's, a <laughs> That's
0: a very rude thing to call someone. I don't know if we should ever get into a thing game. <laughs> It's a very really rude thing <laughs> to call someone. <laughs> I said loose I
2: didn't say hooker. And Charlie
0: beats today.
2: day, oh HBK <laughs> Shaw Michaels and Booker T. How are you boys
0: think? Good. I'm great. I'm happy to be here. Happy to chat to Carlo today. I think we're going to have some fun.
2: Definitely. New season. New season. How's rugby on the weekend? Excellent. Must I ask you about the penalty try? Was it a penalty try? I'll take the points, but it wasn't. <laughs> it, it was awful. It was awful.
1: Well, we'll take the points, and it. Uh, yeah, I think it's going to give a nice boost to uh, to a few people that were doubting us for the World Cup, and I'm sure we're going to talk a little bit about the World Cup. We are. We are. Does everybody know about your uh, about your uh, rugby career in history? It was short lived. It was very short, No, oh, well it was pretty
2: impressive. Listen, we tried it, Carl. I mean, I've definitely I've lost a bit of weight since then, so I can't take a tackle anymore. <laughs> but if any, anyone listening out here wants to come and tackle me, you're gonna go through Carl first. That's a show. I was the best. But we're gonna chat about you know the stuff that you do to stay fit, Carl. I think it's quite important. Much of uh, our community and Finn Twitter, you know, they eat way too many garage pies. They love McDonald's. They stuff their faces in those KFC buckets. You know who you are out there. So we're going we're gonna to chat about that. But Carl, let's kick off with you. I mean, listen, your, your career story is incredible. Right? You start working for CNA when you're in school. Child Labour. When Child Labour was a thing. Right? Pre, pre-democracy. You end, up, you, you end up becoming a programme exec for the BBC in London. And I'm going to pause there because I want you to help us understand, what does a program exec do and what programs did you buy?
1: <laughs> so uh, it happened fortuitously. I uh, got a temping job because I ran out of money before my study started. So I vastly exaggerated my secretarial skills, ended up at the BBC and worked in the department that buys everything that I would make. And I largely worked on some new channels that had just launched, BBC Choice and BBC Knowledge. So they had a viewership of about three. Which meant I couldn't really stuff up too much. Um, so it was a great place to learn. And one of my great joys, one of the programs would be bought and reshowed was Dallas. I rewatched every episode wow. of Dallas.
2: Who shot JR? Yeah,
1: exactly. Remember that.
0: So, you know, uh, Carl, it's. Uh it's uh, it's ironic that it, w- it was called BBC Choice, and that's what the and that's the choice you gave people. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> what, a hor- what a horrible choice, but anyway, <laughs> what kind of choice is that, Carl? What kind of
2: choice? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, listen, I-, I have to say we have more people that listen to this podcast because you know you had three people watching, we've got four people listening. That's, uh,
1: <laughs> And hopefully, we'll give them better content today. <laughs> but the BBC yeah, was a great experience. I loved it. It was uh, it was a really good uh, good time of my life. Okay, so
2: how do you go from being a man in entertainment, and I'm saying entertainment in parentheses, but right? <laughs> you're entertaining people, and you end up in insurance, right? And you know, you, you create this. I mean, what I can only describe as. A lot right? I know you don't really want to call it a brand consultancy. Consulting is, you know, maybe a dirty word that we throw around. But no. I mean, how? How do you get from the BBC to building this machine?
1: So a lot of it, I think, like many people's luck. But I left uh, England just before I got permanent residency because I wanted to come back to South Africa, and I came back thinking that with my experience in the BBC obviously being such a nice and clever guy i'd walk into like a brilliant job and basically run media24 mnet nobody responded to my uh, cv uh, not one single person so that was a little bit of a, a wake-up call and i then got a job at the at independent online working as a sub-editor night shift in cape town so my shift started at 12 o'clock and i earned uh, basically just enough money to pay for my travels, my petrol from Stellenbosch, where I stayed. And yeah, long story short, I then got a phone call from my ex headmaster asking me to come speak at our school, not because of what I would say, because I think he was uh, not—he uh, knew what he would get, but in a previous life, I'd been chair of World Universities debating, so I could speak. And in the audience were uh, two gentlemen, one uh, headed up Netcore Retail, and the other one, Holland Insurance. And they contacted me and offered me a job, and I was very offended that they would think that I, as media person, worked in insurance or banking. I was was really offended. How dare you! <laughs> uh, but I chatted to them, and both of them are still to this day very, very close friends of mine. And I ended up working for Hollard, because everybody said go work for NetBank, because nobody had heard of Hollard, which at the time had probably about 200 employees, was seventh smallest insurer in the country and it's not a decision I regret at all. I uh, learned a lot about insurance from from the team there and, it, uh, and that's how I got involved. So uh, by luck and saying yes. But but Carl, why did you still live in Stellenbosch if you were driving
0: all the way for the night shift every day? That's the only thing I got out of that and, and I need to because know Because I why. could
1: stay for free. <laughs> okay. I could stay for free. So <laughs> that was the
2: reason. <laughs> so Carl I'm, really, I'm going to ask a question. He's going come right now and they say, Carl or a producer pro come to you and they say, oh. "Listen, come through and be the exec producer for the show." Would you throw your hat back in entertainment or Are you done with this life? We
0: need more Minky Fanda and content, and you're the man to deliver it. <laughs> so I'm, need... a, I'm a big fan of
1: uh, I'm a big fan of Minky uh, <laughs> and some of what uh, what. Uh, what media, 24 uh, TV does but no, now I'd be very offended that anybody would think I'd work in anything other than uh, finance, insurance uh, banking and related so uh, no, very happy where I ended up Oh,
2: oh, okay, well I thought that was our our sound bite that was what we were going to use to promote this Alright, so you launched CNN and company, right? Yeah. Still to today incredibly successful but then you had this inflection point in your career because you also decide to join Purple Group. Now, I know many people may have turned to you, Carl, and said, listen, you're starting a new venture. You just started your old brand consultancy, but you're putting your hand up to take on two jobs and two really intensive jobs. What is going through your mind at that point?
1: So it was an easy decision for me because uh, the person who approached me was Charles Savage, uh, CEO of Purple and founder of Easy Equities. We'd been at school together, so I'd known Charles for many years. Hadn't seen each other much in the interim. Every now and then, I had a beer. And I bumped into Charles at uh, the Comrades, where he was welcoming his wife, who's a brilliant athlete, back. Uh, I was running my first uh, Comrades, and I bumped into Charles. And... uh, he said, let's chat. He then introduced me to his exco team. And I loved the guys. Uh, I loved what they articulated they wanted to do. As a kid, I'd read my father's financial mail, didn't really understand stuff. I studied law and arts and literature. It was far more my game, not finance. But I always had this inkling that I, you know, there was something in there. And it just, the penny dropped when Charles and them spoke because it was finance for the first time that was accessible to me. It wasn't a whole bunch of highfalutin crap being spoken. So, you know, what did I have to lose? You know, easy equities, nobody knew about it. It was brand new, give it a go. So uh, it, was an, it was an easy decision to make and certainly not one that I've regretted. So Carl, you said you bet Charles at the
2: finish line, right? So I'm guessing that, that was about what? eleven, about 10 minutes before the 12 hour cutoff. Was that his time?
1: So, no, so Charles, this is interesting. So, I, this was my first comrades, and, and I just had one goal. I did not want to be that guy, the one guy that's on the, <laughs> the news page that doesn't make the cut That was my only goal. Um, Charles's wife that year, who uh, she's a super strong willed person, was ill. She should not have been running. Uh, no, <laughs> no doctor. She's not been running. So she was actually running slower, which meant we finished roughly the same time. So so Carl, her her worst day was your best. Exactly. It's yeah. <laughs> often the case with women and men. They yeah. were their, their, their worst day is often our best. So it's uh,
0: That's right.
1: It's good. And then there was Charles in an area which you cannot get into. If you're the mayor of Durban, you can't get in there. If you're a VIP, you don't get in there. It is reserved for those people who collapse after 11 hours of running. (laughs) Charles Savage, being Charles Savage, was so concerned about his wife, he was there. And he was not the first thing I wanted to see when I crossed the finishing line. The face of Charles Savage was not what I wanted to see. But there he was. Uh, And then, you know, not well done on running, mate, not congratulations, come and talk to me about easy equities. That's, you know, typical Savage. Imagine how
2: different the story would be if you said, Carl, I spoke to Charles Savage, not at the finish line, but in the bus when they picked (laughs) us up (laughs) because we didn't meet the cutter. And then we spoke about, you know, purple group. I mean, that's incredible stories. It just speaks to the value of, you know, having these relationships that are enduring across time because, you know, it it sounds like from what he's saying to us, I mean, it feels very fortuitous, right? It's just a coincidental thing. It wasn't a reach out. It wasn't. And I think it's a it's a great lesson for our listeners in terms of just keeping all those doors open as much as you can because you know you kind of level low in the
1: stars align. Absolutely, and it's also similar to to us chatting today, you know, us talking and 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 saying yes, you know, it's make open up to opportunities. Um, you can always learn from people, and uh, yeah, you never know what's around the next corner.
0: And, and I think just to add to it, I think one one element of it is being. You know, being open to opportunity. I think the other, perhaps yeah. equally important part, is to be ready for opportunity when it presents itself. Right. I mean, you could have, yeah. you could have been in that, mo- in that moment, you could have said, "Dude, I'm flipping tired. I just ran 80 kilometers. Yeah. Like, I don't want to think about this." Um, and that would have yeah. been it. But you know, you were, yeah. you were a, you were willing a, willing to have that conversation. But b, and perhaps most pressing, up until that point, you had developed. Enough of a skill set to be able to have that conversation. right? You had a, uh, an ex, uh, a body of work behind you, you had a, a fledgling business, you had some skills, and so there was something to talk about. And I think that's also a great yeah. lesson that you know opportunity comes and, and knocks on the door for many of us, but if you are not ready for it. You won't even know that you've missed this opportunity.
1: You're quite right. And I'll just tell you one other brief story that happened later that night of finishing. So I'm very impressed. I finished my first Comrades, because I'm certainly not built like an athlete. And I'm having a bath. And uh, my folks were there. My mum died a few months after my first Comrades, and she was very ill at the time. A couple of mates there having a bath, being very impressed with myself. Phone rings, pick it up. My mother, we, you know, going for dinner. Said, yeah, I have just finished the comrades, just having a bath. And then, you know, we'll organize some takeaway. She said, aren't we going out? I said, I, I have just run the comrades, so no. And she said, don't be so bloody lazy. Oh, the lazy guy? Lazy? And uh, it was also a good lesson for me to, uh, yeah, be ready. Be open to stuff and be ready for opportunities. We're ready,
2: Carl. We're ready to do stuff. Good. We're ready to do a whole lot of stuff. We can't good. say some of the stuff, but... You know, we can take it offline.
0: Not the comrades. We're not ready for the comrades, just to be clear. <laughs> but not, not the comrades. We're not ready for... We're not. We're,
2: not, we're not ready for... We had, we had a bet with Booker T here, and we told him, go and do the two oceans. Do, like, the, the, the small one, the half one. I mean, this guy, you know, he went there, he trained for, like, three weeks. He came back. He looked... More out of shape than before the training programs. So anyway, we'll i mean, try again did, next year.
0: We we tried to talk to Booker T about the cobras, but he, he told us he's not interested in political connections, and that was that. Uh, we didn't get any. <laughs> we didn't get any further.
2: <laughs> you did. We did exactly. So, Carl, you drove purple, right, for seven yep. years. I mean, I I just checked out the the stock price for seven years. I mean, you had a few good juicy little pops here and there, you know, the stock popped, but it it remained largely unchanged, right? For the most part, it was kind of flat, hovered around the same levels. I mean, what's going through your mind, right? You join this, you make this commitment, you go through all of these years, you're building, you're building, you're building, the market doesn't quite react. Were you ever a little bit impatient at any point?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely an impatient person. At, At life, I say I've not been impatient at times. But it's been at times and fleeting. I um I write from the word go at purple and, and I joined purple when the share price was uh was about thirty cents, thirty one cents. Um, so uh, at current levels, I made three times my money. So maybe that's good. But it's certainly not uh, not ambition. And I write from the word go in my mind uh, a target of five rand, and that was based really on gut more than anything else. It's a lot more science behind. Some of the thinking on share price uh, predictions going forward now. And my period um, is also, you know, as I'm entering my 50s, I'm not young like you, Oaks, on this call. Investment, you've got to give it time. I got into Purple for specific reasons. Those reasons are still there. And if I'd wanted to get out, I would have sold my shares when we were at three Rand 50, which was what a year or so ago. Uh, and I didn't. I didn't sell. I could have sold them at two Rand. I'm in it for. Uh, for this vision that I had and and a number of other people are like that as well. Have I been impatient? Sure. Have I thought that the share price at times was too high? Perhaps. But the market is certainly not, as you guys know, rational. And if uh, the market did what I want, I would be a super wealthy billionaire.
2: So we, we fully agree with you, Carl. Market is definitely irrational. It's not efficient. It doesn't work well. And all of a sudden, I feel like, all of our post-grad finance degrees on this call are all useless and we wasted our time. And I really just should have taken a gap year and and went to Thailand. (laughs) But but listen, here's the thing. Having said that and the value that you see, I mean, you you still got five bucks, right? Yeah. And let's run with it. Say purple deserves to be at five bucks. You know that the vast majority of people are irrational and they don't see the vision and they don't get it. Do you feel like there's merit in Purple Group being a private, unlisted company where it gives you the chance to incubate this vision away from all of this excessive, scrutiny and irrational behavior we sometimes see in the market?
1: Yeah, I mean, my short answer is maybe um, for the reasons that you articulate well. Um, But on balance, no because I personally, my answer is no. And the reason is that scrutiny, that additional cost, uh, we can talk about JSE and listings another time as well. Whilst it's frustrating at times, I think it does bring a measure of of benefit. Um, And I also want to realize value for the people and the institutions that are invested in us and have been for many years. They deserve their cash and their time to shine, the five Rand, whatever it is for them. And so, you know, there aren't just retail investors. So yes, there are a number of retail investors and I love those investors full stop. And certainly the many in Purple. I'm proud that Purple is one of the most widely held shares, but Sunlum owns 30% of us. Now, you know, Sondheim is not a bunch of idiots. That's a substantial financial organization. People like uh, Michael O'Don through some of his companies, uh, Paul Rutherford, there are a number of individuals who own shares either directly or through, through their companies. I want them to, to, to get benefit for, for backing us. And the guy who's invested 10 Rand and bought a fraction of a purple share. Uh, well, at 10 range you can buy, you know, 10 purple shares now, so that's lucky. And, uh, but though, those people, and myself, you know, I, I want uh, want my time in the sun. This place gave me my first real look at how the world worked. I watched people running toward the betting window with high hopes. No plan. Then I watched them walk away from the track, ripping up their tickets in disgust. That wasn't gonna be me. You didn't bet? No, I bet. I bet, but first I figured out where the sharp action was.
0: Where the guys who had a plan were. Guys who grinded,
1: took the guesswork out of it. They knew which drivers had been rested, they knew which horses were ready, they also knew which ones were on last legs. How'd you meet those guys? And I didn't at first. But I figured out they always bet late, and they bet heavy. So long answer to say maybe there's value in it. You know, I'm not going to waste my time and uh, and uh, chasing, uh, taking purple uh, private. I, I know that uh, that Charles and and others, as said, there've been conversations, but it's it's not a it's not a focus. Got it.
2: So I mean, look, things are chugging along at this period, yep. and then bang, COVID hits. There's game stock, there's this meme stock euphoria. Everybody's trading stocks. I mean, in the space of two years, your stock price rallies up, what, more than 750%. Seven and a half times your money back, out. that, I guess you're a pretty nice penthouse in the Atlantic Seaboard if you wanted it. Maybe comes in with the nice Ferrari, yeah. You know, you're a motorhead. You know, it's tempting, juicy. I mean, you walk around at that point in time, hairdressers are dishing out stock tips you know what what stock should i buy people are talking about stocks around the braai influencers are out there pumping recommendations you know online chat rooms are exploding headlines are full of people becoming overnight billionaires what's it like inside the boiler room in that point of time
1: so i mean that it was fun it was exhilarating it was exhausting it was crazy but it was good you know, I had no time to think that I'm even going to vaguely sell my shares or do anything else because we were head down working. I walked out of our office with my computer, set it up at home. Uh, I was looking after our client engagement team at the time. Um, they pivoted and, and immediately started handling massive increases of volumes. We took over a massive book of business for Satrix. Massive. So we were hell of a busy. Uh, we were dropping tons of balls we were innovating overnight we launched donate for good which is still you know raising you know millions for for charities on the platform thanks to the community members and there was no time to have meetings or strategy sessions or discussing or it was just head down and uh yeah it was exhilarating it was uh it was good you know i'm proud of what we did we didn't retrench anybody we supported people who were getting into investing for the first time um could we have done some stuff better? Sure. But but overall, I'm, I'm proud of what we did and, and I'm proud that we got through it.
0: Yeah. Carl, I guess there's that old cliche, right? It takes decades to be an overnight success. And yeah. so you guys were building and building yeah. and building and, and cr- creating that trust. And, you know, when the time, when, when the stars aligned, you were there and you were ready, and and it, I I don't yeah. doubt for a second it took a lot of hard work, but the foundational pieces made
1: that possible. Yeah, and we definitely I mean obviously didn't didn't prepare for that. So you know, we say internally now, and it's pretty obvious. So fractional shares that was a big unlock for Easy Equities right at the beginning when Charles came up with the idea fractional shares. Next big thing COVID, as you say, that you know massive surge of of clients, and third, you know um, what's the third thing? What's next? And we can chat and predict, you know, is that AI? And, you know, may well be AI. Uh, and I know that you guys have got some lack of views and and doing some great work in that space. But, Dibar, what is the next thing for us that's going to be that next inflection point in this investment space?
2: It's buying, buying a, a wine farm, Carl. Or <laughs> investing, in a, <laughs> investing, investing in a rugby team. Or, you know, yeah. let, let's, let's do something that's a lifestyle asset. You know, can have a bit of
1: fun doing it. Listen, I bet on the previous American election, not the previous one, when Trump became president. I also happen to call him a lightweight, OK? And I have said that. So
2: I would like to take that back. He's really not that much of a lightweight. He hit my hands. Nobody has ever hit my hands. I've never heard of this one. Look at those hands. Are they small hands? <laughs> And he referred to my hands if they're small, something else must be small. I guarantee you there's no problem. I guarantee. Go ahead.
1: And uh Trump and uh, who's the British Prime Minister at the time? It was David uh, Cameron. Corbyn. It was Cameron. Yeah, no, but and then and Corbyn took over and yeah. I'd had a double bet and it came true. I mean I never thought and I won money. So maybe we should go into some betting on the on the rugby world cup, predict some games.
2: I like that. I like that. You set us up nicely. So yeah.
1: Colin, i you
2: look at this two years of just absolute euphoria. It's manic, right? And you know, you, this roller coaster is moving really fast. And maybe things are starting to overheat. Was there ever a point through this period with the Purple Group stock price rally where you ever sat back and thought, maybe things are overheating. Maybe our stock prices run a little bit too hot and maybe there's just a lot of good news being priced in, in a really short period of time.
1: So, I mean, taking consideration that I think five rand is a fair price, you know, 350 wouldn't be too hot for me, but the timing would be off for me. Um, like now, I think our, our share price is undervalued. I think it's it's worth far more than the, than the 90 odd cents, wherever we are. Highly undervalued. At the moment. Um, so was the 350 too high at the time? Yeah, I think it potentially was. Is it too high full stop? No. Because it's not at 5 Rand, which is, you know, where I think the company is valued. And I, as I said, when I had 5 Rand years ago, when we started, it wasn't based on metrics. But now it's based on metrics. It's based on looking at the value of our clients. It's looking at the income we get from products. It's looking at our runway in the Philippines, etc. But to answer to your question, you know, if I if I thought it was too hot and was, was going to come crashing down and never recover, I would have sold at 3 Rand 50. And I didn't. Mm. Um you know, maybe if I've had you know three glasses of wine and, and life's a bit tough, uh, or thirty glasses of wine and life's a bit tough, I think oh maybe I should have, but but no, because it's not at the five rand and uh, and uh, yeah, it's a long process for me, and I'm I'm happy with it. Carl, I love how you joined this business years ago, and you just woke up and decided
2: this is a five rand stock, this is a it's worth five bucks. I don't care. It's at 30 cents now, yeah. it's five rands, I like the number five, not six, or not four, <laughs> and I'm going to stick to this thing, right?
1: say. Yeah. So now the only difference between a marketer like me who says that and some asset managers who say that in the pricing of the clever investment bankers is that I'm honest that I just thumb sucked it. These other oh, oh. hoax pretend that there's all kinds of uh, logic and stuff behind it, same oaks who priced. Uh, um Steinhoff and anybody uh, uh Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Stein off and all the rest of yeah. it. So uh, yeah, it's uh it's all a Fugazi. You know what a Fugazi is? Retail investors. I've said this often, and I know not everyone agrees with me, but the head racer you spoke about, the dumb marketing like me, retail investors, we're uh, we're smart. Watch this prediction on five Rand.
2: Uh, I, I know I'm just gonna make sure we're like four and ninety, because I know there's a huge fucking iceberg coming at five bucks of oh, carl he's coming yeah. in swinging yeah. he's like listen exit liquidity is at yeah. five like, bucks yeah Carl's like, coming like kenako
0: it's time like
2: <laughs> he's like it's time i'm coming in but like so carl you spoke about the retail investor right yeah. i mean we we love retail investors and we built yeah. this entire community around retail investing
1: we have seen things Yeah, you know, i must interrupt you because i also want to you guys do a superb job on the educational front and you know in this time of COVID and beyond you know whether it's the you know property stuff so it's not just on chairs the, the retail investment education stuff that you guys have been doing as BankerX has been, you know, great. And uh, you definitely deserve a lot of credit for that. So thanks.
2: We'll take that. Thank you very much, Carl. We'll, we'll bank that. We'll bank that and put it towards our five rand investment. <laughs> we we'll put it in. But like, you know, you spoke about retail investors. We've built this entire community on retail investors and we've seen some unspeakable things. You know, I, in, in our we have all of these forums. We've got a really access telegram channel and we've seen people invest on things because they like the logo of the company.
0: Carl, if if Booker T could tell you about what our DMs look like, my man, it is yeah. We got some horror stories. It's, it's
2: incredible. it's incredible. During during COVID we bought uh we I bought Workhorse because I thought it was a nice name. I was just like wow workhorse sounds like a good company I didn't know they had. They sound hardworking. They they <laughs> they had four they had four trucks in the fleet, you know. And just, <laughs> so like it was bad. Things are bad during that period. But you know, you speak about this, and let's talk about. And like, I know you have a dozen stories about the life-changing impact your know, EasyEquities has had on your community and for democratization. But what's one story that always sticks with you? on how your platforms is changed someone's life.
1: Yeah, I mean it, it's such a great but such an unfair question. It's like asking someone who's their favorite kid. And uh, It's you know, always the firstborn. My, my parents will say it's me. It's, <laughs> kind of. it's a firstborn it's <laughs> sure. it's me, Carol. Like <laughs> <laughs> So uh, yeah it's difficult with what I mean I um, you know I love some of the first time investors we've got. Uh, you know Betsy Scarp springs to mind. She's a pianist teacher. She's become really passionate. She's, you know, won uh, um, Shapiro's competition on investing. So her, there's a guy that an unemployed youngster in a township that uh, got a group of young women together and said, don't be blessed, invest. Started doing education in the library, you know, it was great. So we've got stories of rich people who've, you know, done stupid things with their money. But, you know, I'm going to give you a very personal and, and potentially arrogant answer. And, and but the answer is, is me. You know, it, it really has changed my life and it's changed my life in the way that I'm even more passionate about giving access to people, whether they have got one round to invest, but to be treated with dignity or whether they are a woman who is super smart, but has never been, you know, thought that she can handle her own f- funds and everybody else in between. Like I'm passionate like you guys are, that people must take responsibility for their cash, invest, learn, um, and, and that, it's changed my life. It's given, I've, I've, I pride myself on living a purpose-driven life, but it's given my life even more purpose, helping people get, grow and protect their wealth. So yeah, I mean, it's a selfish answer in some ways. Um, we, we we have many better stories on the platform of people who've, who've done phenomenal things. Kalo, who works with me, we employed him in the brand team. I found him online because he had a Facebook group with over 300,000 people. Who's this oak? Start talking to Kalo. He weighs about 20 kilograms. Like he's this thin oak from, from Venda. Super smart, giving people investment stuff. He now works with Easy Equities, and he's he's in charge of our content. And he's literally—I mean—he started a Facebook group just of his own bat. Phenomenal guy.
0: Uh, look, I, I read his emails every week. He does the 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 corporate
1: actions. It's fantastic. Yeah, it's really—it's yeah. great stuff. Yeah, dividends. Thank uh, you. And he's yeah, he's young and he's learning. So thanks, Akshay. definitely. He's going to be listening to this, so uh, he'll be chuffed. Thank you. If you're listening to this, please eat.
2: We yeah. don't, you can't be. <laughs>
1: Don't, don't spend all your money on stocks. Now he, he, uh, Kayla told me the other day when I mean, he went he, he used to play rugby. So first of all, I was laughing for 10 minutes because I couldn't imagine. Was he the post? And then he said it was funny because it was until they like carried him off the, the field. <laughs> but Kayla says yes to everything, gives everything a go. He's one of the hardest workers, smartest people I know. And, uh, he's also very suave. You know, he arrived at our, um, your end, which was us doing a, a, a physical challenge before we were getting together for some food and drinks, he arrived wearing like uh, suede loafers and we were going to run through mine. So he's a fashion, fashionista, but uh, yeah. Sure. Bull Lighting as the man who sells signals to Forex while humble Life.
2: Oh, you know, Ilsa is your favorite. MLM, Ilsa, that conversation. But like, but Carl, I mean, We spoke about the benefits, the upsides of creating this platform that enables democratization. I've said it countless times, I'll say it again. Easy Equity has done an incredible job of democratizing access and creating this channel of accessibility that simply did not exist before. That's a brilliant solution to a really burning problem. But we know, having been entrenched in this space for such a long time, that Democratization sometimes has a dark side. Right. And, and we see that. We see that dark side manifest itself you know, here and there. And I want to ask you, Carl, what's the one negative thing that easy equities has spawned? Is it you know some people who are starting off scabs promising these guaranteed investment returns? Is it those screenshots that people post on social media
0: with fake profits? The guy, the guys who steal Kalos newsletter stuff and then post them as Twitter threads and get the props. We know, we see you. We know who you are, but uh, not for today.
1: Yeah, exactly. There's lots of that. I mean, scams have uh, obviously been around pre-Equities and, and fraud and what have you, and. Uh, Maybe there's more of it now because between you and us and others growing retail investment. But, you know, I think the, the negative for me is um, that we still, we still haven't done a good enough job on education. And so people think investment is going to be an overnight way to make cash. If you want to make quick cash, you must either gamble or become a criminal. And, you know, you, you'll, you'll probably go to jail and lose all your cash, but you could make lots of money. Done and done. What's next?
0: okay what's next what's <laughs> next done you and stole. done you've got us <laughs> you sold us yes <laughs> <Dance> is yes <laughs> yes and yes
2: if it's so simple why haven't you done it already
1: if you're good at something never do it for free <laughs> investing is not is not an overnight game and so when people you know see a hype you know, don't buy a stock when it's at a certain level because everyone's talking about it. You know, do your research, understand why you're buying into it. And and I think with, with easy equities, there's far more visibility. Social media gives people far more visibility. Guys then don't do their own research. They don't apply their own minds and they, they fall for hype. Um, and I think that has been a negative. Yep. It's a negative that can be solved from education. That's why what you do is valuable. That's why what Kayla does is valuable. That's why as easy equities, we've got to do way better and way more in an educational perspective it's why i'm critical of many of the uh, organizations and 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 others within our sphere do they do enough in terms of education you know whether it's regulators or the stock exchange or the rest you know we we we, we can i think and should all of us do much more on the education front
2: carl i'm going to get a bit philosophical here a little bit put my deepak chopra hat on and love it you know, give some bad advice but don't you feel a big, and just speaking from reflection, right, is, uh, looking at our community, there is an element of instantaneous gratification that manifests itself into this. But when you live in a culture of Uber Eats, stroke Uber, stroke Tinder, stroke, you know, Netflix on demand, where everything you want is at your fingertips and yeah. people are sold the output of success without necessarily seeing the ingredients, right? So we have this patisserie with all of these amazing pastries, but nobody sees the pastry chef. Nobody knows the pastry chef exists and it ties back to you spending seven years at Purple Group without seeing the stock price move and overnight, you know, it explodes. But isn't that a function of you know Jerzy and millennial culture right
1: now? I mean I think it's a good analogy and, and a and a good thought. I think it is that instant gratification. And maybe the instance instant gratification shouldn't be your return, but it is that you've been able to buy that share that you can track its performance, that you can can engage with the metrics. But you've got to have a longer horizon. You've got to you've got to not buy the iPhone today. You've got to invest in the Apple shares so that you can buy ten iPhones in a few years' time. Like that's the mind shift that's gotta be made. And I mean, we can also, we can talk about retirement. You know, for me, it's deeply frustrating when people in the retirement industry say, oh, well, put away 15% of your salary. Fuck, I'd love to put away 15% of my salary, most people. But what? I must pay for my kids' schooling. I must pay for food. I must, like, shit, like, I can't do that. So we've also got to be realistic what people can do and when they can do it. Mm -hmm. Um, But we will agree that you've got to start sooner and you've got to be consistent and don't expect overnight returns. But I'm going to definitely steal, although I will credit your analogy of the patisserie because I like that. I think it's a good way to explain
0: it. I like patisseries too, Karl. <laughs> Something you said is so powerful and it's actually worth it's worth emphasizing. The There is often very little alternative for doing proper analysis and being patient. I think, you know, uh, the truth is that we are all shaped by our experiences and for many young people who will be listening to this today, they've experienced a period of unprecedented market volatility. And that volatility has created incredible wealth. It's also lost incredible wealth for people. And so uh, the first important point is that may not always be the case. We're not, we're not always going to see markets that we've seen for the last 10 years. Uh, and even if that is the case, there is no substitute for actually spending the time thinking about what your investment objectives are, thinking about the sectors that you like, the companies that you like, and investing in them, you know, not trading, investing in them. The analogy is true for retirement, you know. I absolutely, and, and I agree and I concur that 15% is is exorbitant for most people, even people who, have, who are blessed. Uh, but it doesn't mean that Five percent isn't something that you should seriously consider yeah. it doesn't mean two percent yeah. isn't something that you should consider because over time that can be that can be life changing when it needs to be life changing yeah. in you know
1: decades from now yeah, yeah, even you guys must think about joining me it's never too early to start investing you're never too young. a hot summer's day can't be the only time I see you invest but Mm-hmm. Spot on. And I, and I think we must also, it's not just shares and equities. You know, if you look at some of the education material that you guys put out on property, like people must also question how they're investing in property. Like, does it still make sense to buy property to let it out? Or has that ship sailed? You know, people have really got to do that research and do that work as well.
2: Uh, I mean, you know, philosophically, I think it makes perfect sense to spend 3 billion rand on a, an apartment Just to get, you know, a couple of good appliances. I I have strong (laughs) I have have strong views on this and I'll I'll
0: stay very clear. Yeah, but but, (laughs) but 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 also on that, like I mean people are that that was a very lucrative business model for people for a long time and you know, you obviously hear about people who made money on, on that on buy to let and, and they tell you, you know, you're the boomers and you're, you you know, will tell you, I bought a house for X amount and now it's worth X amount. Being on the property ladder is the key to wealth. And and there is truth to it, but it's also very important, you know, as Carl, as you very correctly said, to critically analyze these things and analyze whether the assumptions that you make that were based on data that existed for you know decades ago are still relevant today and you may actually be very horrified and surprised to find out that a lot of them aren't
1: yep, yeah exactly
2: i mean carl you're a huge proponent of you know doing your own research doing your diligence and i mean you know let's pick out a couple of retail favorite stocks religion is on a two-for-one special you could buy <laughs> <laughs> I have to laugh at my own joke. It's just bad. <laughs> but you, it's down 50%, guys. This is a Black Friday sale.
0: <gasps>
2: right, if you thought that was bad, you can get ABSA, down 60%. <gasps> and if you're feeling really lucky, go out to the market and get Transaction Capital, which is down 80%, right? It's buy, while get for free. <gasps> and you know, <laughs> There's this is the entire philosophy of buy the dip, right? You buy the dip, and it just keeps dipping, it just doesn't stop. And,
0: and, and listen, and the, the bank pros are humus guys. We love a good dip, uh, we do. Hmm. Uh, we, no, no, we, we don't. No, we need to edit that out. Yeah. Okay, this this is not gonna make the final cut.
2: <laughs> that, that's bad. That's not that's not making the cut. That's, please take that out. I mean, but but here's the thing. Carl, is this something we really struggle with? Maybe you you can help steer us here. Because it's an internal conflict that we have very frequently. At what point do you become a platform versus being a parent? You give guys the tools and you see them blow up, but you can't always intervene. And I know you looking after this platform with millions of people. You see some bad decisions being made and you can't necessarily phone the person up and say, Hey man, you just put a couple of hundred K into a very high risk crypto. And you've only put in a little bit of cash into your Satrix index. You know, maybe, maybe think about rebalancing it. So, I mean, how do you put in these guardrails to avoid people blowing up, but at the same time, Rebelling true to the ethos of being a platform.
1: And being agnostic, that's a good question. So, you know, at, uh, simple answer, we've got to do more education. So we do that when, when people join the platform now in terms of journeying. So we've got a really smart guy on our team, Matt, who spends a lot of his time, all his time with journeys. So helping expose people to information in a way that's not overwhelming, that there's not a paradox of choice to say to people about DIY versus managed versus a hybrid look at property, look at crypto, et cetera. So giving people all that information. And whilst there definitely are people that, that behave in the way that you articulate, the majority of the people on the platform aren't poor investors. So they don't do those things. They, they, um, they, they diversify. You know, in times now that are tough, we don't see money running off the platform. We see less plat- money coming on because times are tough. But people are smart with their money um generally there are the few and unfortunately they're the loud ones you know they're the ones that blow hot or cold they make gazillions and they lose gazillions there are more of the traders but i think part of your question is also around the flavor of the month stocks so you know a purple group and what i would say to that is be clear about why you've invested in that share in the first place if you invest in that share because everybody is investing in it that is not smart because you're not everybody you need to be clear why you are investing in that. And you stay invested, in my opinion, until those reasons change. You stay until five grand, right? Exactly. Well, and, and also, you know, when I do five grand, I might uh, I might buy more, who knows? But, oh. you know, it was, it was religion. If you got involved because, you know, you you like the story about the only mine of the gases, largest, you know, deposits, you think uh, Stefan and his team are good, then you're gonna stay invested. Uh, otherwise, you're going to run for the hills when it's when it's 50% down. Yeah, I think, summary, know why you're invested. And if you don't know why you invested, you shouldn't be in that share. And then, of course, people don't just invest in single shares. So we must also be careful of defaulting that that's the only place people invest. They invest in ETFs. They invest in unit trusts. They invest in structured products. They invest in property, crypto. Um, so it's not just those single shares.
2: So, Carl, I'm going to share with the audience and the team how I manage my personal portfolio, which does involve...
1: I'm making money.
2: Yeah, there we go. It does involve being very impulsive after a night out and throwing cash into crypto and then regretting it the next day. But... Sit there in the corner and take note, bitch. Take note, bitch. I said it's out for the work.